song is called I Belong to You. And the whole message of the song is simply saying, man, you know what? No matter what in life, I belong to you. Come on. Maybe you're in this place and you can't say that, man, you know, it's my first time here and I don't feel like I'm a child of God. Or maybe you've been saved for the longest time and you've been trying to work your way into salvation. Come on. It's by grace that we're saved. Come on, he invites everyone in this place. Come on, the good, the bad. Come on, would you just with me right now, lift your hands and just say it right now, God, I belong to you. Come on, my life, my heart, my plans. And as you do that, come on, would you just begin to surrender some things unto him? Come on, maybe the things that you try to hold on, you say, man, I just can't give this to God. It's too precious. Maybe you're looking at your family and saying, man, you know what, that's just me. Come on, this morning, would you surrender your family? Come on, maybe you're saying, not my job, God, not my finances, not that, Lord. And you just say, God, I surrender. I belong to you. Everything I own, everything about me, it's all you. You created me. You speak life into my life. Come on. Let's sing it out.
broken off every chain, every stronghold in the name of Jesus. There is power, there is power. So and you're struggling in your walk this morning come on God knows God knows you just need to be reminded there is a God who's already defeated death he's conquered the grave so come on as an attitude of surrender that we're laying it down we're coming back to Jesus come on if you just want to be filled with more of the spirit would you just lift your hands with me this morning and sing that over your life I belong to Jesus come on
You are majestic. You are awesome. You are beautiful. You are glorious. You are worthy of praise. Woo! Hallelujah. You are the bread of heaven. The rose of Sharon. Our solid rock, our firm foundation. We praise you this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your forgiveness and your salvation, your grace and mercy to our lives. You are awesome in this place. Receive the glory that is due your name. We reverence you this morning. We stand in awe of you, O God. We will be still and know that you are God. Hallelujah. I want us to all prepare our hearts to receive communion this morning. It is a custom, it is a practice that we at Metro Praise take, partake of every first Sunday of the month. But before we do that today, I want us to all check our hearts this morning. I'm going to preach to you the gospel message of Jesus Christ. If you can please keep standing with me and turn to your Bibles to the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. This message is for those of you in this church today that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I encourage you today to find that, to confess him as your Lord and Savior, to get right with God. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Say, all people. I want to let you know today, if you are on the road of living for yourself, of feeling that your own deeds, your own good works are going to get you to heaven, I want to let you know this morning that according to his word, you are on the wrong path. In this verse, it says that God's grace has appeared that offers salvation. Grace is unmerited favor. God giving to us that what we don't deserve and what we could never, ever earn by our own good. It is free for you and me to receive God's grace. This gift of salvation is free for us, but it cost Jesus a price. And I want to encourage you today to think about Jesus and how he died a gruesome, bloody death on that cross. He was beaten and bruised. He was spit upon a crown of thorns was placed upon his head for the sins of the whole world. That was the price that Jesus paid for your sins and for my sins. Past, present, and future. From the beginning of time till the end of time. The blood of Jesus, my friends, is our only way to heaven. And if you have not repented of your sins before a holy God... If you have not confessed Jesus as your Lord and Master, you cannot get to heaven. You will not make it there on your own good, by your own good deeds. The Bible says that our own good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord.
We can never be good enough. It is God's grace that has appeared to us that offers salvation. If you want to be saved today, I'm going to have our deacons, Monique and Chris. They are going to be ready and waiting for you. And we hang out in just a little bit to pray for you and lead you in a salvation prayer to get right with God. If the ushers can please pass out the elements for communion. The Bible teaches us not to partake in communion in an unworthy manner. So I want us all to take a couple of seconds as the elements are being passed out. Search your hearts this morning. If you are not saved and you just heard that gospel message, come to Jesus, repent of your sin and turn from your wickedness so that you can be saved and have a relationship with him. For those that are believers, search your hearts this morning. If there's anything there that is keeping you from living to your fullest for the Lord, ask him to cleanse you, to wash it away, to cover you with his blood. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, God, for your grace, your unmerited favor, your undeserved favor that covers us when we come to Jesus. We thank you that you've washed us white like snow, that our sins are taken as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. We thank you for the blood that was shed for our transgressions, for our iniquities. You took our place, Jesus, and we thank you this morning. As the band begins to play, talk to Jesus before you partake of this wafer and this grape juice. The wafer symbolizes the body of Jesus that was broken and pierced for our sins. And the grape juice represents his blood that was shed to forgive us. We do this in remembrance of him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Search our hearts, God. Examine us, Jesus. We want to be right before you.
away from the juice. You can stand up to your feet. We're going to worship the Lord. Before we close out this time, lift up your hands all across this place and say, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Oh, you are holy, God. You are worthy, Jesus. Our hearts burn within us, Lord. More of you, oh God, in our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If your heart is burning for Jesus this morning, lift up your hands all across this room. Jesus set us ablaze for the gospel. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you paid the price so that we could be saved, oh God, so that we could be spared from hellfire. You are holy. There is none like you, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you, King Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. service, God, for the rest of the day, for the rest of our lives, God. Maybe you live and worship unto you, King Jesus. I pray, Lord, that those hearts that you are tugging on to repent, to get right with you, God, that they would respond to the message and be saved, for tomorrow is not promised. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Praise him, praise him, praise him. He is good. And what he does is good. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. You may be seated this morning. At this time, we want to dismiss the children. And I would like to have my ushers pass out the confession of faith papers. And as you guys are receiving those... We are going to confess our confession of faith. This is something that we believe as our Christian worldview. If there's anybody that needs a paper, please lift up your hands. I'm going to have you stand up in just a second again. Anybody needs a paper before we recite this? The children are dismissed. Papers are being handed out. If you could please stand back up to your feet. I'm sorry that I had you seated. We confess this as a church every single week. We believe this with all of our heart. And if you in your heart declared that you want to get right with Jesus and you participated with that communion, I want you to recite this with everything inside of you. Amen? On the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world 
the son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen and amen. Please spend some time fellowshipping with each other. If you want to have prayer for salvation, get discipled in our church. Please meet our altar workers here to my right. Enjoy the hugs at Metro Praise. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Metro Praise International. It is so good to have you all here worshiping in the Lord with us this morning. 
For those that don't know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic, uh, apostolic elders here at MPI Church. We are so excited that you have come to join us this morning. Our services are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Fridays for the teenagers at 7 p.m. Elevate. Let's do that again. Elevate. Awesome. So if you know any teenagers, please let them know about our Friday night services. Our vision here is very simple. We follow the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us in uh, the Gospels, and that is to love God and to love people. Say that with me. Love God and love people. And uh, I want to make the announcement again on behalf of Juan and Diana. I know that I made an announcement last week. Diana was hit by a car a couple weeks ago and has gone through her second surgery. And as a church, we want to continue to keep them in prayer. They are not here today, are they, Juan or anybody? Um, They are not here, but please continue to keep them in prayer. And for the month of May and June, we as a church are going to be collecting grocery items for them, anything that is non-perishable. And you can talk to Suellen or Griselda, or Suellen and Jared, uh, the husband and wife, and they will receive your groceries and we'll put them in the back. And every week we will have them delivered to their house. So please keep Diana in prayer for a full and complete recovery. Amen. Our discipleship strategy is connect, mentor, and send. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Connect, mentor, and send. Our desire here is to connect people to the cross, to mentor you with the cross, and to send you out with the cross. Amen? And the way that we want to do that with connecting you to the cross is through our weekly life groups. Somebody say life groups. We've been going through our new series of life groups for a month already. I'm sure many of you have found your place. If you are new, you don't know about them, please hold up that little piece of paper, your announcements. Everybody just wave it in the air like you care. Wave it in the air like you care. In the back of that are all of the life groups. There's four different categories, so many different options of during the month, during the week, Get to know those, pick one, find a place to call your home. We want to be a church of disciples that what? Share life together. Awesome. And uh, after you do that, after we connect you to the cross, we want to mentor you. And our desire here is to take you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life, Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth. We have leaders that are ready and willing to meet with you, whether it's once a week or once a month to take you through these lessons, to mentor you, to help you to live for Jesus. Amen. The second phase is our 201 book. It's a class every Sunday morning. That is where you would go to after you graduated this. We want to be a church that mentors and disciples people because that is what Jesus came and told us to do in Matthew chapter 28, to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Then we want to send you out to share Jesus with every single person that you know. And our goal here in the cities to have 50 churches with 100,000 disciples and 500 around the world. If you believe that we can do that, raise your voice to the heavens and clap your hands and say, yeah, Jesus, we can do it by his power, not by, by, by our power or our strength, but by his spirit, it can be done. That is our goal here at MPI. And a way that you can participate in that is we have our Puerto Rican outreach coming up, okay? But any Boricuas in the house, make some noise. Woo-woo! Puerto Rican Festival. We have been doing this outreach from day one of the church, meaning Joe and I 
got married in 2005 on a Sunday. That Thursday, we were witnessing at the Boricua Fest. So, from the beginning, we have been pouring our, our heart and soul to this outreach. And of course, it's grown and grown and grown. So this year, it is going to be one day, and that is Saturday. I cannot see the date, but I'm sure you guys can see it. June 15th, and it's going to be a whole day thing. Please check out our website, Metro Praise, uh, www.mpichurch.net. All the information is there. We're blowing up Facebook with this. Get excited. Get your friends excited. Life groups get excited. We want Chicago for Jesus. How many of you guys want to win Chicago for Jesus? We want to have a part to play in what God wants to do in the city, and we need you to be a part of that. Amen? If you could please stand with me to your feet as we prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. We believe that our tithe is a 10% of your total income, and offering is anything above that. And we, we have designated our offering to be towards our missions and our building. We want to be a church that has a heart to be generous, to give to missions, to give above the tithe, to believe that the 100% that comes through our hands, that we will give to the Lord, put him first. We will trust him with that 10% that leaves our hands. Amen. I want to share a scripture verse with you in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I want to encourage you to not sow sparingly. Because that's how you're going to reap. One dollar here, 50 cents here. Be faithful to the Lord with the whole time. And watch what God does in your life. Be generous to missions. Be generous in giving above to tithe in your offering. That amount is between you and the Lord. Because those who sow generously will reap generously, will reap in abundance. And I want to thank you all that are faithful to the Lord, faithful in your tithes and offerings. We thank you as Metro prays from the pastors, elders, deacons back to you. We thank you for being obedient to God so that we can accomplish the vision that he has for MPI Church in the city and across the world. Amen. You can uh, also give online. We have different options there for to make it more convenient for you. Again, you could check out the website. And uh, let's repeat this scripture verse together on the count of three. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good to us for giving us jobs, for giving us all that we have. And we will be faithful to give back to you that 10%, anything above that, God, that you place on our heart to continue to give to missions so that these books that we have can go out throughout the nations. I ask, Lord, that our budget this month will be met, that MPI Church will pay its bills and have an abundance, God, to meet the needs of the people in this city, to do what you've called us to do, to love God, to love people, to preach the gospel. God, I pray that you bless every single person uh, prosper and uh, increase them in their families and in their jobs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come forward as you give.
Yes, the 80s are still alive right here. Come on, how many love Jesus? Let me get a woo-woo. Come on, open up your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs, man. This is where we've been for the last two months. So good to see you guys here. Every Sunday in May, we're going to be going over a different proverb. And every day on LifeChangingDevotions.com. Everybody say LifeChangingDevotions.com. One, two, three. Life. It will change your life, baby. Turn with me to Proverbs 3, verse 3. And I just want to say this. As the weather is getting warm and nice, and I see some of you guys, just men, just working out, getting ready to get it on. Let's just have Tony stand up for a minute. Come on. Come on. Let's have Andrew stand up for a minute. And, brother, I got to have you stand up right here. Now, these are some summer bodies right here. Come on, give it up for these men. Joselito standing up. God bless. And you stand. Look at you. That's the man right there. Come on. Okay, so here's the deal. We still need Jesus when the weather's warm, right? So we should be at church every Sunday, even though it gets nice and you want to get to the lake and all of that. Man, it's okay to show up late at the lake, right? It's okay, man. You, you will find the sun out there somewhere, I promise you. But make sure you put God first this spring and summer. Can I get an amen? I say that because a lot of times during this season, people just lose their mind for the lake, for, for river fun. You know, I like to wakeboard and stuff like that. And everybody's like, oh, man, I got to get on the water. I got to get out to this place, this place, before, you know, everybody else gets out there. No, man, we got to put God first on Sunday. He will refresh your soul, man. And, and you know what I like to look at? is how God makes life so much better when you put him at the first of everything you do. For example, there's people right now, they're already at the park, they're already doing their stuff, but their marriage is falling apart. And so when, you know, when the park time is over tonight, they're going to go home and feel you know, lonely on the inside. They're going to feel like you know, their relationship with their spouse maybe isn't right, with their kids isn't right. But today, you can have God set all of that in order and then go out and enjoy the day, enjoy his nature, enjoy shopping, do whatever you do. Some ladies just like, it's nice, I want to go shopping. I get it because you just want to make an excuse to shop. But I get it. Okay, so no matter what you do, no matter what you do, you will do it better with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Thank you, thank you. Proverbs 3, verse 3 through 4. Today's message is love and faithfulness. Everybody say that with me. Love and faithfulness. Thank you. I want to share this proverb with you today. It's a couple of them, but it's one passage, and I think this will bless your life, man, as, as it has blessed mine. I was uh, preparing this message last night, and I literally ended up getting about 50 scriptures. So I, I pray I can get them all out today. How many want to hear 50 verses? Y'all, y'all radical. Come on. Right here. All right, here it is. If you're there, say I'm there. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. What are we never to let leave us? Love and what? Faithfulness. Today we want to talk about love and faithfulness. There are a lot of things you can get in life. Houses, education, jobs, friendships, relationships, family. But if you don't have love and faithfulness, you'll feel incomplete. If people around you don't have love and faithfulness, it will not satisfy you. Just think about it. If you had 20 people around you today, but none of them loved you, would that be cool? 
you wouldn't be cool with that. But if you had one person today that you could spend the rest of the day with and they loved you, would you be feeling all right? You'd be like, man, I got somebody that loves me. If Nancy and I love each other, man, we could take on the whole world because she loves me, right? Think about it. That's how we feel. If we could just get somebody to love us, we're going to feel special. Now, if we can love somebody else, isn't that a great feeling when you love somebody else and they feel loved? You know, like when you can just look at somebody and go, I love you, and then they say, oh, that made my day. If you have a spouse here, let's just try it right now, or a girlfriend, or a close friend. Just look at each other right now. Come on. Come on, just say, I love you. You're so special. (laughs) Come on. I want to see you all do that same thing. (laughs) No, no, look at you, you crazy man. You know, if you have a child next to you, it's like, I love you. You know, we love love. And think about what life would be out of what life would be like if we didn't love each other, right? Now think about this, faithfulness. What would life be like if people around you weren't faithful? Once again, imagine if today you hung out with 20 people, but none of them kept their word. None of them were really your friends. None of them were there when you needed them. Would that really be a group of people you would want to be around? Absolutely not. You would feel empty. You'd be like, none of you care. But if you had one faithful friend, if you had somebody that was always there, man, they would pick up the phone when you would call. They wouldn't turn their back on you. Would you care about that person? Would that person make a difference? Just one, right? Now think about this. The Bible is saying that you and I need to be those people, that we need to be the people that have love and faithfulness. So before we start pointing at others saying, you need to love me, you need to be faithful to me, before we go to our job and say, employees do this, employees do that, we need to look at ourselves inwardly and ask, are we people of love and faithfulness? This proverb right here says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. So when you go on the job, what are you supposed to have? Love and faithfulness. When you're in your marriage at your home, what are you supposed to have? Love and faithfulness. Man, when you guys are beat bowling on the court, what are you supposed to have? Love and faithfulness and some game, right? Come on. You you are supposed to have love and faithfulness everywhere you go. It doesn't matter where you are at. The grocery store, what? Love and faithfulness. On your way to go to Disney World, love and faithfulness. How many think it would be a good idea? Let's just take it like this. A, good idea. B, bad idea. If I went to Disney World and I stopped being faithful on my wife, would that be a good idea or a bad idea? Right? So it needs to be with us wherever we go. No excuses. Love. Faithfulness. How about love for God and faithfulness to God? Some people love God on payday but don't like him when they go through problems. It's like they get paid and they're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Does anybody praise him like that? Thank you, Jesus. I just, hallelujah. Right? No, I mean, but honestly, like on the good days, when everything's going good, we're like, Jesus, you're so awesome. You're so beautiful. And then when things aren't going right, we're like, God, where are you? I don't know you anymore, God. I mean, do you even answer me? Where are you? And we freak out. But God is saying, never let love and faithfulness leave you. What's the definition of love? Of course, this word is like the hardest word to define, so let me give you the best one I could come up with. Love is to have strong emotion, self-sacrifice, and dedication to someone. I don't know. Is that that all right? I don't know if that's too bad of a definition. You all look at me crazy. I'm going to try to define love again. To have strong emotion self-sacrifice, and dedication to someone. If you can write down a better definition, do so. Number two, what is faithfulness? To be committed, dedicated, and trustworthy to someone. That means you're dedicated, 
You're committed and you are trustworthy. When someone says you are faithful, that means they can count on you. What does it mean to never let it leave you? It says let love and faithfulness never leave you. It means to always have them with you. When it says bind them around your neck, what is that descriptive of? A necklace? A necklace that always reminds you and others of who you are. Does anybody here like to wear necklaces? Any necklace wearers here today? Right? And then sometimes people like to get their name on necklaces. Maybe that was like in junior high, you know what I'm saying? Like Antoinette. Oh, you still got yours, baby? Come on. Yeah, yo. You know what I'm talking about? And you just, yeah, this is like that. Okay, we won't say anything else. And so what are you doing with that necklace with your name on it? You're reminding yourself and everybody else what your name is. There ain't nothing wrong with that. This is my name tag, right? This is how I spell it in case I forget. I'm just teasing. When it says let love and faithfulness never leave you, of course, we're never to put it behind us. And when we're going in life, it's always supposed to be with us. But the binding in around our neck is like a necklace reminding me, myself, Joe, you're faithful. Joe, you love to love. And then reminding others, when you meet me, I'll be faithful to you. When you meet me, I'll be loving to you. Then the Bible says to write them on your heart. When the Bible refers to your heart, it's referring to your thoughts. It's referring to the inner part of who you are. So when it says write them on your heart, it means hide love and faithfulness deep within your mind, in your core being, and to be consistent with who you are in public as well as private. One man said the lies that we tell the often, the most often, and the loudest are the ones we tell ourselves. I'm going to say that again. Somebody once said, the lies that we tell the most often and the loudest are the lies we tell ourselves. And so King Solomon, the author of this, is teaching us, write love and faithfulness on your heart and be consistent with your inner private life as you are with your public life. No hypocrisy. And yet, it would be worth it just to do it if God said it. If God said, be loving, be faithful, because I said so, we would have to do it. But he doesn't stop there. As a matter of fact, all of God's commands, all the things he asks us to do to initiate obedience, he always responds with blessing. Isn't that awesome? You know, I could just say to my kids, you do this because I told you to do it. Or I could say, if you do this, we're going to go jumping on that trampoline later. If you do this, you see all that ice cream with M&Ms and sprinkles, we're going to hook you up. And they're like, yay, daddy, daddy. And I'm like so serious. Nancy got them trained that when I come in the car in the morning, Sunday mornings, all of them chant, daddy, daddy. And I don't know if you guys saw the picture on Facebook. I was like, man, I, you know, when I get ready in the morning, so I get ready in the morning, I get all hype. Then I come in the church, dad, I mean, come in the car, daddy, daddy. It's like I just come hype. You know why? Because I tell them I'm going to give you ice cream if you do that. We'll let you bounce around. If you make daddy feel like a million bucks, we're going to treat you like movie stars around here. So, you know, God could say, hey, keep love and faithfulness in your life because I said so and I am God. But the great thing about God is that whenever he asks us to be obedient, to take initiative, to keep his word, he always gives us his blessings. He is a good God. 
God has always been good to us. He has always been generous to you. Think about it just for a moment. He has always given you his best. When it came to salvation, he gave you Christ. When it came to his word, he gave you 66 books. When it came to his presence, he gave you the Holy Spirit. You can say amen at any time. When it came to friendship, he gave the person you're sitting next to, the spouse you have in your life. When it came to marriage, when it came to children, he gave you the children. When it came to a universe, he gave you one with plush, green uh, forests and beautiful blue oceans and mountain ranges. Everything God has done for us has been generous, overabounding in his extreme love for us. And so nothing can compare to his presence and his blessing. So listen to this. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor, blessing, and a good name in the sight of God and man. What could be more valuable in our life than having the blessing of God? Think about that. If God blesses you, what can be greater? Sometimes people think of the worldly blessings as equivalent to God's blessings. Now, of course, we live in a world where we need money, we need cars, we need houses. But so often we think to ourselves, if I have money, if I have cars, if I have this, you know, an education, then I'm blessed. There's people who have those things but yet are cursed because in their heart they don't have the favor of God. Let's just put it this way. If sex made people happy, wouldn't every married couple be happy today? Think about that. They can have sex, can they not? It can even be lawful before God. In the morning, they can have in the afternoon, they can do whatever they want. In the kitchen, bathroom, it doesn't matter. Sex for the married couple is a part of what they do. You all looking at me crazy. I'm just like spelling it out. So, so all this stuff like we see in the music video, like, oh, you can have sex like this and take somebody to the candy shop. Oh, look at all this. Like, I got you on that one. Like, of all the things they get you on. Talked about having sex in the bath. I said, a candy shop. Oh, he's at the candy shop. Oh, listen to my pastor. You know, we look at, but guess what? Married couples, all day long to the breaker, breaker, dawn. But if sex was supposed to make people happy, why aren't married people happy? Why does the illusion that the video puts out of sex supposed to, uh, you know, entice the married person. He can really do all of that with his wife, but it's supposed to entice him like, oh, sex is really not uh, fun and extravagant unless you're having it with 10 different women or this and that. Okay, so let's, let's take it to that extent. Prostitution. A woman who's a prostitute gets to have sex all the time. A pimp gets to have sex all the time. Are pimps and prostitutes to you the most sexually satisfied people you know? And I don't know how many pimps and prostitutes you know. But I've seen some interviewed, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've watched, uh, you know, some of these shows where they interview them. And I can tell you pimps and prostitutes are not the most sexually happy people in the world. They're not saying, oh, I love my body and I feel so blissful when I'm with 100 men a day. So the lie that the world is telling us is sex makes you happy. No, God makes you happy. And when you have a happy marriage, sex flows out of that. Well, it's the same thing with money. Okay, so, oh, if, you know, think about right now how much money you have. There is somebody in this room that wishes they had the amount of money you had because they are thinking to themselves, if I had what you had, I would be happy. Let me give you an example. There are some of you here that have a car. There's others that don't have a car. So the people that don't have a car are thinking to themselves, man, if I could just have a car. If I could just wake up in the morning, drive that car, oh, my life would be different. How many of you have cars, but life sometimes still stinks? So having a car, like you don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Like, OMG, I got a car. 
I got a car, look at me. And like you rolling by the bus stop, like rolling down the window. Look at me, bus folks. I got a car. Life is good right here, like taking a picture, like look at me in my car. But we're, we're, we're silly like that, right? So we're, the non-car people think if they get a car, then they're going to be happy, right? And then there's, a, there's like the two-bedroom apartment folk, and they're like, oh, man, if I had a four-bedroom house, if I could live right here, I would be happy. And then there's people with four-bedroom houses that aren't happy. You see, it's an illusion. Money doesn't make you happy. Money can help provide for things in your life, but it's not the basis of happiness. Why am I saying all of this? Because instead of pursuing love and faithfulness, we're pursuing sex, perversion, money. We're pursuing, you know, dishonest gain, gossip. We pursue these things around us to try to make us happy, and yet they don't. But the very thing that will make us happy, God is telling us we can have and never lose it. And the most important happiness we'll have is the happiness he gives us. Has anybody ever experienced God's joy? You know how I know God's joy is better than what they sell at the bars and what people uh, do with, you know, uh, these different types of drugs and depression drugs? You know how I know joy's, uh, God's joy is greater than these things, than Prozac and all of that? Because I've seen people lose the closest people in their life, funerals. I've been to the, the, the funerals of mothers burying their daughters, my mom burying her daughter, my sister, and I've watched God wipe away her tears. And I know people that are still on Prozac, that are still doing those things, still alcoholics, and have never had their depression taken away in life. I know God is real. I know his joy is real. So when we're pursuing things in life, what should we pursue? The temporal, earthly things, or should we pursue the favor, the blessing of God? And that's what it says. When you have love and faithfulness in your life, God favors you. And you know where we get the word favorite? From the word favor. You see, God has favorites. Now, God's favorites are not based on nationality, color, race, size, gender, any of these things. But God favors those, makes his favorites those who favor his cause. So God loves the whole world equally. He loves us all the same. But he favors and blesses those who are obedient to him. Let me give an example. So I have three children. Two of them are old enough to talk and walk and do their thing. Bethany and Hannah. One's four. One's three. I love both of them the same. But I don't favor them both the same throughout the day. If Hannah is obedient and Bethany is disobedient, Hannah will be favored. Not that she's a favorite like uh, I don't love Bethany as much as her, but she will be favored that day with candy and privileges, whereas if Bethany disobeyed, she will not have those privileges. Think about it. Do we not understand this in normal life? We don't expect to get the same thing. If we're not working, if we're not coming to work on time, staying overtime, doing this, we're not expecting to get paid the, the same as the one who does, are we? We understand in the world there is a blessing, there is a favor, there is a reward for what we do, correct? Why would it be any different with God? It says, then you will win favor and a good name. Well, I thought just showing up to church, I have favor and a good name. No, you have to have love and faithfulness to get that favor and good name. Well, I thought if I just read my Bible in the morning, just a couple times a week. No, you could read your Bible, you could go to church and still not have love and faithfulness. There's people in the Mormon church today, Jehovah Witness church, they're reading their Bible and they are lost. They are not favored and blessed by God because unless you put these words into action and do them the way Christ commanded them, he will not bless what he said he'd curse. 
So if God said, I curse this behavior, I don't affirm this behavior, and you're doing it, he can't bless it. Are you all tracking with me? We need to have faith. We need to have love and faithfulness. Never let them leave us. What does it mean to win favor? To have unprecedented and uncommon opportunities to succeed. How many want unprecedented, uncommon opportunities to succeed in life? That's what God's favor will do. God will put you in places that are unprecedented, uncommon. The precedent is one thing, but he will take you to another level. It's, it, where it's common is one thing, but he'll take you to another level. I believe that. What is a good name? It is the positive impression and reputation people have about who you are. So if you are a person of love and faithfulness, if your name comes up on the job, if your name come up, comes up around your family, they should be able to say something good about you. Right? Think about that. Somebody says your name. Lawrence, in the high schools, among the teachers, in the teacher's lobby, does his name reflect love and faithfulness? Do they go, oh, yeah, Lawrence. Oh, he's a homeschooler, by the way. So your mom, when she talks to your dad, says something good about you. How many here have a J-O-B, a job? How many want your boss or employer to speak well about you, give you uncommon opportunities, unprecedented raises, because you have a, 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 a compassion for people, a love for people, and a faithfulness to that company? How many want that? How many want to stay where they're at the rest of their life? Okay, so those of us who want to achieve great things in life, here is God's uh, way to do it. Now, are we doing, let me just pause here, are we doing this as a give-to-get type thing? Like, I'm just giving God this to get back from God. No, it's an obedience. We would do it whether or not he promised a blessing in any way. Would we not? Would not Christians do it? I know I would, but I'm aware that he gives the blessing. So how much more should I be aware of, if I'm aware of it, how much more should I expect it? So that means if God says, Joe, if you do these things, I'll give you favor and I'll bless you, then how many know I should be expecting to be favored and blessed? How many know then I should pray according to that? I should say, God, by your grace, I've loved you. I've been faithful to you. Now I ask you to bless me on this job. I ask you to bless my marriage. Why can people as Christians pray for God to bless them? Because of love and faithfulness. And the sight of God and man means not only will God in spiritual places honor you, but man in earthly places will honor you. Do you see examples of this in the Bible where God honors men and the men of this world also honor them? How about with Joseph? God honored Joseph and then Pharaoh honored Joseph. Daniel, God honored Daniel. And then the king of Babylon honored Daniel. Does it mean that everybody's always going to like you or that you're going to walk down a bed of roses in life without any trouble. Of course not. But what it's saying is God will grant you favor. He will bless you in spiritual places and in earthly places. Now let's look at the rest of what Proverbs has to say with, about love and faithfulness. Turn with me to Proverbs 14:22, Proverbs 16:6, and Proverbs 20. 28. Are you all like that? Can you get three scriptures up? Come on, you all some bad mamma jammies. You got your phone out? Put up that split screen right now. Get them three viewing, that three view right now. Proverbs 14, 22. What does it say more about love and faithfulness? Do not those who plot evil go astray, but those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. 
Oh, man, I wish I had time to just preach on this. Think about it. Here it's tying together right now. If you plan to do evil, you will go astray. Do we always see the destruction of the wicked in our lifetime? We don't always see it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the fact that the wicked are not destroyed is God's mercy to them in this life. So let me give you an example. We, we see people come and go from media and come and go in our lives that are ungodly. You know, people that would be popular, that we would all know. We would say, you know, this person was popular. Maybe Tupac or Elvis or Michael Jackson, right? Or maybe these different actors who have come in and out of our, our, our you know, media. And we look at their lives and we say, man, they never really looked like they suffered in this world. Now, you might look at a Michael Jackson and go, yeah, that guy suffered a little bit. But really, in comparison to how you and I suffer, it's like, man, he suffered as a millionaire. He's like, man, I got all these millionaire problems, you know. And you're like, man, I wish I had some millionaire problems. But we don't understand this. This is what the Bible says, also in Proverbs, that the way, uh, that, that the way of a man seems right in his own eyes, but in the end is death. So there is a temporary pleasure in sin. There is a temporary rightness on the evil path. And sometimes we don't see it, and men will think it's right. So you may say to yourself, Pastor, you know, I see people plotting evil, but they seem to have good lives. Like the CEO of Apple right now, he's a homosexual. And you may say, oh, my goodness, that's leading the greatest uh, technology company in the world, and yet he's a homosexual. How can this be? You know, you would think somebody who's openly gay, going against God's commands, would suffer in our community right now. You'd say, well, the Bible says that God will punish it. But no, we see as, as exactly the opposite right now. We see homosexuality is like the new trend. It is like booming for business right now. It's like if you can get a talk show and add this slant, or if you can be a music star or a basketball star, I I mean, you come out and say you're gay. It's like you're being applauded. It's like Hercules, Hercules. We're just so happy for you. You know, so, so do we see, just in that sense, evil causing them to go astray? Well, we don't see the destruction. The, the, the man who came out, let's just take the one who came out with the, in basketball. And I'm just choosing homosexuality because this is such an obvious sin. I could talk about adultery as well. I'll, I'll get to the, uh, uh, the, the housewives. Uh, what was that show that uh, Desperate Housewives? I'll get to that in just a bit. But let me just talk about this, this popular thing right here. So a basketball player comes out and he says, I'm homosexual. Does the mass media criticize him or does it applaud him? Does it favor him or does it condemn him? Okay. So in his mind, what would he say back? He would say, see, God must be blessing me because I'm being favored. This is what I'm trying to help you understand. Just because there are temporary successes that man has in life, even though he's turned from God and he says these temporary successes, they prove that God is with me. Let me give you another example. When you think about, you know, uh, jobs and the economy, right now you would say, like, Obama uh, is in the media. Is he being criticized? Is he being put down? Or is he being favored? Now, to me, I think he's being favored. It looks like everybody loves him. 
They keep having hope for what he's doing. And yet many of you understand your job situation really hasn't changed in all of these years. And I don't want to get too political, but I'm just giving you an example. So at the end of Obama's presidency, people may remember him for certain things and applaud him. And the whole world may say, look how awesome he was. Why is that a part of this world? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, right? But it also says that the temporary pleasures of sin are deceitful. So in this world, while people are choosing sinful paths to everybody around them, they may seem like they're successful. And this is the thing that I'm concerned with, is that some of you may say to yourself, I'm doing okay without love and faithfulness according to what this preacher is saying, or by the word of God. I'm okay with this. But this is what the proverb is telling you. You will go astray. What do you think it will be like for the people we've mentioned on Judgment Day. If this young man is truly living in same-sex relationships and he has not repented, this basketball player, on Judgment Day, he will go astray to the lake of fire for eternity. Think about that. Do you believe that? That seems intolerant, does it not? To this world, they go, man, that's intolerant. That's not fair. But is that not a command of God? Love and faithfulness. Was he faithful to what God told him to do? No. And what about the CEO of Apple? And what about Desperate Housewives? Let me just go to this real quick. Let me step on some more toes. He makes me laugh and he makes me cry. That's what I'm here to do. Okay? If I haven't made you happy or mad, you didn't come to the right service, right? I'm going to get both of your emotions there. How about this? Desperate housewives. We see the increase of adultery in our community, the lack of marriage being held among our young adults, so less people are getting married, more adultery is happening, and then you look at a TV series like Desperate Housewives, and you look at the star of the show, who, of course, I can't remember her name. What's her name? Eva Longoria. Thank you. When you look at Eva Longoria, is she favored by the world or criticized by the world? Favor. So, so think if you're Eva Longoria today, what do you think to yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I got to be in a, a star of a show. I've made millions of dollars from that show. Now for the rest of my life, I get to be a celebrity, have this money. And so let's say Carmen, who's faithful to her husband. Carmen, would you raise your hand? Let's give it up for a woman of God in the house. W-O-G, next to the M-O-G, man of God, come home. And I'm not, I'm not picking on celebrities. I'm just giving them an example because I don't want to say your name. Like Bob in our, our audience, he commits adultery. You know, I don't want to pick on. I'm just giving you guys examples, okay? So let's say Carmen meets Eva Longoria, and she says, she says, hey, you know, you portrayed adultery. Let me ask you, did you ever have sex outside of marriage? Did you ever do these things that you were portraying? As well? And let's say she goes, yeah, I was doing all that. Then she would say, do you know that according to God, unless you repent and are born again, you're going to hell? Do you think Eva Longoria would clap her hands and say hallelujah and get all excited? Do you think in her mind she's going to say, I have something to learn from you? Do you think she's going to humble herself and go, you know what, that is so deep, that's so real, I'm going to go into that. When people have pride, I don't know her and I don't want to judge her in that way, but I'm just saying, when we have pride, because I meet it on the streets all the time, people don't think that they have to have love and faithfulness according to God. And what they want us to do, think about this, what they want us to do to have compassion, to have love, is tell them everything's okay, they're not going astray. 
But it is our job to let our friends, let people around us know, go, hey, you know, the Bible says love and faithfulness should be on your neck and you should always have it with you. But you're portraying adultery. You're doing adultery. God's going to curse you. You're going to go to hell. You can't be blessed this way. And if they get upset, that's okay because I would rather want them to know that if you plot evil, if you do evil, you will go astray. Wide is the gate that goes to destruction. Now, at the end of that, if they say, Pastor, I don't like you, or friend, I don't like you, or don't talk to me, I'm going to block you from Facebook, then at least I can tell them I showed them a good plan. That's okay. I still preach it. Amen? You might say, give me some more. I'm going to give you some more. Go to Proverbs 16.6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Look at this. Read this with me, this verse, verse 6. One, two, three. Through love and faithfulness, through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. Do I have friends that are in adultery? Yes, I do. Do I have friends that are in homosexuality? Yes. Do I have redheaded step? children that feel alone at night. Yes. I have friends of all different makeup and color, all different life situations. Yes, yes, yes. But I love them and I love you. And we should all understand that there's only one thing that gets forgiveness of sin. It's love and faithfulness. If you want your sins atoned for, you've got to love God and put your faith in him. You've got to obey what he said morning, noon, and night. That's the only thing that atones for sin. And it's through the fear of the Lord, through understanding God will judge me, that sin is avoided. Pastor, are you trying to scare me? That's why I'm trying to scare the hell out of you. I don't want you to go there. Let me ask you a question. Imagine if we were in Nazi Germany. This was an intelligent culture. I don't know if you've studied this in history, but I've done some study on Nazi Germany with Hitler. I mean, Germany had the best theological schools. Germany had the best scientists. As a matter of fact, how we developed the nuclear bomb was from a German scientist that defected from Germany. Praise God. Hitler didn't have that technology. They had the best theology, the best schools. They had the smartest scientists, but yet they were deceived to believe something politically that taught them that if a person person wasn't of this Aryan race, they didn't deserve the same quality of life. And what did they begin to do? The Holocaust, this despicable crime against humanity. Now, I want you to imagine you're there in the crowds when everybody is cheering, you know, hail Hitler, and they're doing the sign. Imagine at that moment if you had a conviction that said, oh, hold on, hold on. Jewish people deserve to live. We, we shouldn't be killing them. When, when our uh, World War II men and women, these precious men that went over there to give their lives for the people of Europe, when, when a lot of our men went over there, they went to the villages where these, where these uh, uh, you know, death camps were, and the people admitted, I could smell a stench every single day coming from, these, from the furnaces of burning flesh. And they said, why didn't you do anything? Well, because it was the law of our land. You know, right? It was the law of the land. Now imagine you being there in Germany and you begin to get a thought that says, man, no, Jewish people deserve to live. Jewish people have the right to be free like, like us, right? But you begin to talk about this and now instead of getting favor, you begin to get persecuted. But yet you're on the side of righteousness. You're doing the right thing. Because you fear the Lord, you would rather stand with God and man be against you than to be with man and God be against you. Is everybody tracking with me? Would you be that kind of person that would stand for love and faithfulness in Nazi Germany? How many believe you would be that kind of person? 
Well, let me tell you about a Holocaust going on right now. 3,500 children a day are dying in abortion clinics because people don't love the children and are faithful to the children. And the culture is around you telling you to keep that opinion to yourself. Don't offend nobody. It's the law of the land. You shouldn't be upset. See, it's through love and faithfulness sin is atoned for. Jesus loved us and was faithful to the cause of the Father. That's how he died on the cross. When we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we put our faith in him, that's when we're saved. And when we love a people and love a nation, and we're faithful to do what's right for them and have the fear of the Lord, we can see the blessing of God and sins atoned for in this land. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, I would turn from heaven and hear their land. Uh, heal their land. I would heal the land. How many want to see America's land healed? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 28. Look at your neighbor and say the introduction is just about over. Come on, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 28. says, love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. If a king, if his throne is made secure through love, how much more so your marriage, this country, Everything we do, if we truly love others as we love ourselves, we can keep a nation safe. If a thief thought to themselves, I will not steal because I don't want someone to steal from me, would would thievery stop if all thieves thought that way? It's not a trick question. Come on, think about it. If every person who took something that didn't belong to them thought to themselves, put it up there, preacher. Come on in the back, 2028. He's my, my assistant preacher back there. Proverbs 20, 20, I want you to understand this. If every thief who took something that didn't belong to them, if they said to themselves, I will love my neighbor as I love myself, would they ever steal again? If every person who's ever told a lie, all liars, listen, come on, everybody listen to me, please. If all liars, anybody that tells lies and does it consistently, said to themselves, I will love my friend, my coworker, my boss, my customer as I love myself, would they be able to keep telling lies? How about adultery? If everybody here loved the marriage of someone else as they would love their own marriage, could any person be an adulterer? Can I, could I really love you and then cheat on your wife, sir? Could I? All the married men, come on, let's listen and think about this. If I loved Ricky, could I cheat on Rachel? If I loved so-and-so, could I cheat on their wife? Of course not. This is what it says. Get it in your heart today, friends. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Keep a kingdom safe. Keep a king safe. It keeps the whole place safe. Why? Because they're treating people as they want to be treated. Why is it we think we need to do all of these weird things to change our culture? You know, like we need to have more protests. We need to sign more petitions. And yeah, some of those things may be good, but it's all about love. It's all about faithfulness. If every businessman, listen to me, every person that sold you a cell phone, every person that put cable into your house, right? Cable companies and cell phone companies drive me crazy. Cray, cray. If every cable company and cell phone company treated you like the way they want to be treated, 
would you walk around complaining about cell phone companies and cable companies? How about this? If everybody drove in traffic the way they want people to drive with them in traffic, would we be having road rage? So why isn't kingdom safe? Why, why isn't our government safe? Why, why is Congress known for corruption instead of character? Because they don't have love and faithfulness. Do you understand this is the foundation of our culture? When we can't trust each other, when we can't truly prefer each other above ourselves, and we become a selfish, narcissistic society, we will trample on each other to get what we want. And by doing that, nobody's happy. The one being trampled ain't happy, and the one doing the trampling is not happy because that has corrupted his soul. You cannot be happy treating other people other than the way you want to be treated. It will catch up to you. Come on, somebody say amen. Let me give you two ways to be faithful and two ways to love people. If you're ready for the message, say I'm ready. Amen. Let's love God and love people. The Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me give you two ways to love God. Love God by worshiping and keeping his commands. John 4, 23 says, yet a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for these are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The first kind of love we need to have for God is worship love, is a love to give him adoration. God is the only one worthy of worship. He is our creator. I talk to atheists all the time, and we get into these theological debates and these different debates, but I always like to bring it down to a matter of the heart. I always bring it down to this. If I could show you God existed, or if God showed you that he existed, would you then worship him? Most atheists I talk to say, no, I still wouldn't worship him. Therefore, the argument isn't one of the mind. It's an argument of the heart. What they're saying is, I don't want to worship God. There were people alive at all different periods of history where God would show up and do miracles, split the Red Sea. Pharaoh ran his whole army into the Red Sea that the God was parting to spare them who had already punished his people, but he still ran into the Red Sea. How many people know he had as much proof that God existed as he could possibly have? But foolhardiness, stupidity, led him to destruction. So it wasn't like he needed more proof. It wasn't a head problem. It was a heart problem. And I not only see this with atheists, I see this so often with Christians that we think to ourselves, if God would do one other thing, then I would worship him. If God would take care of this, then I would really love him. If God would do this, then I would really go after him. God has done more for you than you and I could ever realize. And if you can't stop today and give him praise and love. My friends, your heart is hard. Ask him to change your heart. Only God can do heart surgery. Why do I worship him? Because God changed my heart. So if you're saying today God has to do something else for me to worship him, you don't know the God we're talking about. He's already done enough for you to give him your worship. And then in John 14, 15, everyone turn there with me, please. It says that if you love God, you keep his commands. How many are happy in church this morning? Amen. How many are telling the truth this morning? All right. If you love me, John 14, 15, you will keep my... Okay, so love and faithfulness, we're to keep them with us all the days of our life. And if we do, God will favor and bless us, right? And he says, if you love me, you're going to worship me. And then if you love me, you'll keep my... Right? Those are the things we do. So... We talked about adultery. We talked about homosexuality. What are some commands that God tells us not to do? Who wants to shout them out? Just help me out today. Don't steal. Don't lie. Pay your tithes. Give to the Lord. 
Don't covet. Don't what? I can't hear the word. Go kill. That's a good one. Yes. Obey the laws of the land. I got a brother help me preach. Let's give it up for my man right here. Come on. He knows some commands. Do you know the commands of God? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Come on, shoot out five more, folks. Put no other gods before him, no idolatry. Honor your parents. That sounds like a good command. What else? Give me two more. Love your neighbor. There's a command. Anybody else know another command? Keep the Sabbath. Have a day of rest. The Bible also said, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Commands about what you say. What were you going to say? Make a command to make disciples were commanded to do what he did. To study the word, to show yourself approved. These are the commands of God. How many of them should we obey? 100% or all of them, right? Now ask yourself this question. Do I love God the way he's asked me to love him? When you're in a relationship with someone, you have to love them the way they want to be loved. Now I just wish Nancy loved to be loved by uh, just going on fishing trips to Florida and New Orleans for 12 hours at a time and sleeping in the backseat of my car in the parking lot. Like, I wish she loved to do that. I wish she loved to rock climb and mountain climb, uh, to rock climb and to go wakeboarding. But mama don't like that. You know how mama likes to be loved? Mama likes to be cuddled. Mama likes to come on the couch right next to me and just lay next to me and be cuddled. And that's how she likes to be loved. Now, if I'm going to be in a relationship with Mama, I've got to love her that way. I've got to love her the way she wants to be loved. We've got to love God the way he wants to be loved. And he just made it simple. Worship me and obey my commands. So what would I say to any person breaking commands? I'm not just pointing out adultery or homosexuality. No one can accuse me of that. We've mentioned all of the commands that are being broken here today. We could talk about liars and politics. We could talk about uh, people who swear and take the name of the Lord in vain. All of it, my advice, God's word is the same. Let love and faithfulness be in your heart. Keep God's commands. Do what he says and he will bless you. Amen. Here's two ways to love people. Number one, help them in their times of need. You don't have to turn there, but I'll, I'll read it. First John 3.17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So if you love people, you're going to help people. How are some ways we do it here? When, when, when women have babies, we bring meals to their homes. When people get hurt, we bring them groceries. When those don't have rides, we bring them transportation. We do all of our youth activities from barbecues to outdoors events for free, Boricua Fest for free for the whole entire Humble Park, Westside Ohio Park free. We do things all over this community for free. What do you do in your life for free to take care of people? Do you give people rides to work without complaining? Or do you tell them, man, gas sure is expensive. Man, man, you're pretty far from my house. You know how much a taxi would cost for this drive? You know, trying to throw off hints, right? Why don't we love people the way we want to be loved? And then we also preach the gospel. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 9.16. If I say I love you, but I don't tell you the truth about Jesus, have I really shared my love with you? Now, I'm not saying we should judge in a condemning way. This is what I mean when I say we should preach. I'm saying when I tell someone about sin... I'm not doing it in a way to make myself look better. So if I have a friend that's an alcoholic, I don't come to him and say, well, let me just tell you something. I'm not an alcoholic. 
and I think all alcoholics are dumb, and I, and I think that, you know, you're an alcoholic on purpose, and I, you know I'm just going to tell you something. I, I, I just think you need to try a little harder. You need to try a little harder, and you'll stop being an alcoholic, and you can be like me. You know, am, am I going to talk to somebody like that? God forbid to even have that kind of a voice. That was my best kind of white guy voice. Like, Gary, you listen to me, Gary. Gary, you got to stop drinking. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it from a perspective of I'm judging you because I think I'm better. I'm going to preach the gospel to Gary and let him know I once was a sinner. I once had all of these issues too. I can relate to it. You can't quit. I couldn't quit. But Jesus Christ said be born again, become a new creation. All things will pass away. All new things will come into your life. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Do you want to get high on the most high? Give Jesus a try, baby, right now. I don't care what your addiction is. It doesn't matter what your sin is. Jesus Christ will save you, forgive you. And here's the most important part. He will empower you. He will give you the passion and the fire to live for Him. 1 Corinthians 9.16, Paul said, Yet when I preach the gospel, I can't boast. It's not about me. Oh, I preach the gospel. Look at me. He said, No, for I'm compelled to preach. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Love and faithfulness. We love God by worshiping and keeping His commands. We love people by helping them in their times of need and preaching the gospel to them. Do you love God and people? Have you put it as a necklace around yourself? Do people know you as that kind of person, as a God worshiper, as a one that keeps God's commands, and as someone that will help them and look out for them and tell them the truth of the Bible? Is that who you are? Is that who I am? Because that's the person God wants to bless. God wants to bless those who bless His cause. He wants to favor those who favor His cause. And what's the beautiful thing about love? Turn with me to Proverbs 10.12. Proverbs 10.12. I'm halfway through the message. Come on, somebody say, do it, preacher. You can do it. Here it is, Proverbs 10.12. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Love covers all wrongs. doesn't matter if uh, that young lady that we were talking about from Desperate Housewives, Eva Longoria, if she was here today, I would hold her in my arms and I would say, love covers all wrongs wrongs that young man the basketball the nba player hold him in my arms with compassion look him in the eyes love covers your wrongs you today you need a hug our altar workers will be up here we will look at you and love you and tell you face to face god's love covers all your wrongs All sins are forgiven. Why? Because God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You don't have to walk out of here wrong. You can be made right by the love of God. 
The love of God is compelling you. The loving kindness of God is coming through you. This preacher today, from the songs that we sing to our prayer workers, we're telling you, you can be forgiven. Your life can be changed. God loves you. And once you've been forgiven, and once you've been changed, you will wear that love like a trophy around your neck, like a medal for all to see. God loves me, and I love God, and I love his creation. That's the person God is wanting to bless when it comes to love. Now, somebody say faithful. I'm going to give you two ways to be faithful. You need to be faithful to obey God and keep his commands to the end. And number two, you need to be faithful to men and what you've said you're going to do and not quit. When we look at Matthew 24, 45, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it quickly. We see that Jesus talks about judgment day like a boss rewarding or condemning his employees. He finds the one that's been faithful while he was gone. The man went away from a, on a journey. Some servants started partying, but one servant kept working. Here he speaks to what's known as the faithful steward, the faithful and wise servant. Look at it, Matthew. Uh, you, I'll hear, listen to me read in Matthew 24, 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So who is the good servant? Who is the wise, faithful servant? The one that does what their master says, even though he's left. Who is the good employee? The one that needs their manager reminding them every five seconds what to do? Or the one that when the manager's not around, they do the job just as well, if not better? God is saying to you, I've gone away on a journey. In heaven, a thousand days, a thousand years is like one day. He's only been gone for the weekend, 2,000 years, two days, baby. Are you all tracking with me? He's only been gone, according to heaven's mindset, a thousand years is like one day. He's only been gone for the weekend, two days. And he says, I'm coming back. And he's wanting to know who will be here doing what I said when I come back. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. Do you want to know what Judgment Day will look like for all of us? The greatest thing you can possibly hear on this day? Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 25, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that from the Lord on that day? Good and faithful servant. Well done, Adam. Well done, Ryan. Well done, Desiree. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the greatest thing we can hear on that day, is that we have been faithful to what he's told us to do. Do you know that Proverbs says that many proclaim their faithfulness, uh, proclaim their love, but a faithful person few can find? So that it's not just good enough for us to say, I love God. Oh, I agree with what the preacher said. No, we have to be faithful to it because there's many people who say, I am faithful, I am loving, but they're really not. Look at what Philippians 2 verse 22 says. Now talking about being faithful to men. Philippians 2.22, please put it up there. Paul is talking to his servant Timothy, a man that worked with him in the gospel. And this is what he says to him. May this be said about all of our, uh, by all of our bosses to us and all of our co-workers. May we be known as this. May we have a good name like this. 
But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with a father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now, Timothy was a preacher. So what greater compliment could he receive? There is none. This is the greatest compliment Timothy could receive from Paul. He has been like a a son to me as a father. He's obeyed everything that I've said. Let me ask you a question. Would your boss say this about you? Would you say, they are uh, the star employee. Everything that I've said, they do. Everything that I ask them to do, they do. They don't just say they'll do it. They just don't proclaim it. They actually do it. And look at Proverbs 20, verse 6, as we get ready to close. Proverbs 20, verse 6. To hear this very clear proverb when it comes to your faithfulness. Verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love but a faithful man who can find. So how are we faithful to God? By keeping our word to Him and never quitting. How are we faithful to men? By doing what they ask us to do and always being reliable. So how do we love God? By worshiping and obeying His commands. How do we love people? By helping them in their time of need and preaching the gospel. How do we be faithful to God? By doing all that He commands and never Quitting, how are we faithful to men? By being reliable and always there. Now, you don't have to turn there, but quickly in closing, John 15, 5. Band, would you come? Jesus gives this principle. This is what he says. He says, if you are faithful, I will make you fruitful. He gives us the example of a vineyard and a vine growing grapes. And he says, my father is the vine keeper, and I am the vine. My father's the gardener, and he keeps care of these vines. And if you are a branch in me, uh, 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 if you are a little uh, fruit growing outside of my branch, he says, my father will come. He'll trim you so that you'll bear more fruit. He said, but you have to be faithful for me to make you fruitful. I want you to say this with me. I'm going to say, teach you this sentence. Write it down so you can always remember it. If I am faithful, then God will make me fruitful. Can we say it together? One, two, three. If I am faithful, then God will make me fruitful. Think about that. If I am faithful, God will make me fruitful. If I remain in that branch, if I'm that little vine going into God's branch, He will trim me. He will take care of me. And I will bear fruit. I have to be faithful to remain in Him. It's our choice to remain in Him. I want you to think about this. Would you close your Bibles and just look up at me, please, as I read this to you. Just leave that verse up there, please. If I am faithful to my spouse, then God will make me fruitful in my marriage. If I am faithful to look for a job, then God will make me fruitful in finding employment. If I am faithful on my job, then God will make me fruitful in my occupation. If I am faithful to my church, God will make me fruitful in my ministry. If I am faithful to my studies, God will make me fruitful in my grades. If I am faithful to my friends, then God will make me fruitful in my friendships. If I am faithful in my tithes and offerings, then God will make me fruitful in my finances. If I am faithful to share my faith, then God will make me fruitful in winning souls. 
If I am faithful in soul winning, then God will make me fruitful in discipleship. If I am faithful, then God will make me fruitful. If I get up in the morning and I'm faithful, if I read my Bible and I'm faithful, if I go to work and I'm faithful, if I hang out with my friends and I'm faithful, if I get around my family, my children, and I'm faithful, if I get in this government or work in society and I'm faithful, if I go on the streets and preach and I'm faithful, God will make me fruitful. God will bless me. And if you, my friends, will take this as your way of living, if we can make this as our motto as we close today, would you put it back up, Proverbs 3, verse 3, and would you stand to your feet, give God some glory, come on. We're going to read this out today, and we're going to believe that this is us. Say this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Would you worship Him today? Come on and ask Him to make you that way. Altar workers, would you come please? God, we ask you to make us loving to a culture that may not think we're always loving. But Lord, would we love people the way you want us to love them? God, not condemning, but loving. And Lord, would you make us fruitful by the faithfulness that we have today? Come on, would you just pray right now for some areas of your life you need to increase in. Before we go, just with every head bowed and eyes closed, would you ask the Lord to either increase you in love or faithfulness today? Let him speak to your heart. Come on, Lord, make it applicable to our lives. Right now, Jesus, speak to us. Oh, God, I want to be faithful. Jesus, help me to love the way you do. Oh, God, make me loving and faithful in my marriage, God. To my children, God, all the days of my life, Lord. God, if I preach to everyone else but I lose my family, God, it's been in vain. Oh, make me faithful. Make me faithful, God. I decide today to let you make me faithful. I won't resist you. He's the potter. We're the clay. Come on, let him mold you and make you the way he wants you today. Yes, Lord, change our hearts, God. Change us. Start in me. Start in me, God. Start in me. Make me faithful, God. Make me faithful to my friends. Faithful to this church, God. Oh, Lord, let your love pour forth from me wherever I go. Let it be like a necklace all over me, God. Let people see it, God. Let people know it that I love you, that I'm faithful to them. I'm a good friend. Come on, some of you who just need help today in your marriage, say, God, make my marriage fruitful by making my wife and I faithful. If you need help on your job, say, God, make me faithful and then give me fruitfulness. Jesus. Come on, five more seconds right now. Five more seconds. Just a few more moments. 
Now would you just look up at me, please, before we close out. I want us to pray. Just because I mentioned these people's names, I want us to pray for our media, our entertainment, our sports, our heroes, these popular people. Would you just pray with me right now that we would see the media, the sports, and all of this change? Can you just do that? Come on, let's just pray. Father, we pray for salvation to come to Eva Longoria. We pray for salvation to come to this young basketball player. We pray for salvation to come, God, to Obama, Lord. Let his policies reflect the character of God. Come on, we pray for Lady Gaga. We pray, God, for Bill Maher. We lift up to you, God, those that we see on TV and movies, Tom Cruise, God, Brian Pitt, Angelina Jolie, God. We lift them up to you, Lord. Save them, God. Tom Hanks, save your people here in this nation and around the world. Make your name great. Make your name great in sports. Make your name great. God, now we pray for businesses. Save the CEO, God, of Apple. Save the CEO of Starbucks. Save the CEO of Nordstrom. Save these CEOs, God. Do a work in their life, God. Do a work in our businesses, in our government, in our entertainment. And now, would you just pray for your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, those who don't know the Lord. Come on, 30 seconds, we're going to pray for people. I wish I could make services short for your flesh, but we're going long in the spirit. We're going overtime. Why? Because we care about people. It's not about our flesh, our comfort. God, save my neighbor, Steve. Save him, Jesus. Save his wife, God. Save his family. We're not better than him, God. We're not better than him, God. We don't condemn them, God. 